0: Have you ever heard someone say they're good snakes and bad snakes? My translation is a good snake is a dead snake. But technically, that is not true. Now, we're, gonna, we're talking tonight about some, uh, some signs to be aware of. And I'm going to give you a real quick snake lesson. So if you're taking notes, this is coming from a, an expert Uh, When we moved here almost 12 years ago, we bought a house literally in the woods. Now, it's been cleaned up in the last six months, but literally, if you've been by my house in the past, woods were in front of us, here's the house, woods were all around us. So, I have a master's and almost a Ph.D. in snakeology, okay? So, the bad snakes, the bad snakes. um, We have a video. I want you to listen. This is a bad snake if you hear this. Okay? How many of you agree with that? That's when I say, Cindy, go over there and check that out and see what that is over there. Okay, you can cut that. Uh, in, uh, in our... We've never seen a rattlesnake. These other snakes, I'm going to tell you about a lot of them we have seen and killed in our yard. Uh, coral snakes. How many of you are familiar with a coral snake? A coral snake, here's the... Th- there's king snakes that look s- similar but the, the way you tell a coral snake is the, the color pattern, red on yellow, will will kill a fella. You see the red touching the yellow? We've killed like three coral snakes in, in, the, in the last uh, years in our property. Well, one time, one of our boxers stomped one to death and did not get bit. Isn't that incredible? Red on yellow will send a fella to Jesus. That is a good way to remember that. And one last lesson. Now, this is true... Of, of snakes really in north america besides the coral snake let's let's look at a picture of a copperhead uh i don't know isn't that pretty no it's not pretty it's terrible uh how you can tell like a copperhead uh a poisonous cotton mouth or if a snake's a rattlesnake and it's not rattling poisonous snakes in north america have a diamond shaped head did you know that If it's not a diamond-shaped head, no, a coral snake doesn't have that, then then it's one of the good snakes, whatever that means. But a diamond-shaped head means that it will send you to the emergency room, okay? Or if it has slit eyes, that that goes with the diamond-shaped head. Round eyes, with the exception of the coral snake, are the friendly snakes, the good snakes. So if you see the red on yellow, you hear a rattler, you see a diamond-shaped head, get out of dodge quickly, Correct. Or again, send send someone in that you like but don't love to take care of that snake. So, Galatians chapter 4 and 5, we're going to look at some problem signs this evening, spiritually, Galatians 4 and 5. We're going to look at some trouble signs in the Christian life. I want to give you four things tonight. I want you to evaluate yourself. See where you are with these things. Like the diamond-shaped head, like the rattling of the, the tail, like the red on yellow. These are, these are visible things. These are obvious things. And when you see these in your life or the life of someone you love, there's a spiritual problem. Number one, a lack of joy. A lack of joy. We're in Galatians chapter 4 and chapter 5 tonight. And in verse 15 of chapter 4... It says, what has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Here's why we're in chapter 4 and chapter 5, because they're talking about the same stuff. Really, from verse 1 of chapter 4 through about chapter 5, verse 15, what the the theme is is that salvation uh, came through Abraham, and through Abraham's seed, and through Jesus Christ, salvation is by faith alone, and Christ alone, through grace alone, period, okay, it's by grace, faith, and Jesus Christ alone, and that's the thread that runs through that, and then, and then in the middle of chapter 4, in the beginning of chapter 5, and again it's talking about the same stuff, he introduces where these people have tripped up and they're having problems spiritually, we're going to talk more about why that happened uh, in, in a moment, but he's addressing these Galatians, and he's addressing you and me this evening, and he's he's saying this you, you were doing well, but it's not so anymore. And one sign that things with you in Christ are not the way that they should be is a, a lack of joy. That word joy means rejoicing or blessedness. It's the same word we talked about this morning. It's the happiness. Uh, from the inside out, it's happiness. It, it just has a different root, and that root is joy. They were doing so well, but they moved away from Christ. And one indicator is the lack of joy. There had been a smile on their face. There had been uh, a sweetness about their, their, uh, their laughter and their fellowship. And now, now that it's gone. If you've been a Christian very long, you can probably go back in your existence and see a time when your joy began to wane, when your ultimately your relationship with Christ was the reason. You just weren't the fun person, the friendly person, the loving person, the happy person that you once were. A man named Dennis Prager wrote an interesting book. The title is... Happiness is a serious problem. And one of the things he says in this book, he says that if a person is claiming to be a Christian and they're not happy, they're practicing their religion incorrectly. And if they're practicing their religion correctly and they're unhappy, then they're not practicing the true Christian religion. Did you get that? You know, one of the things that I've noticed with so many people... Christian people is we get busy. We get involved with a lot of things. We begin to miss a church service. We begin to miss our prayer time. We begin to miss our Bible study. And then lo and behold, that joy and that glow that was in our face and our life begins to become dull. He looked at those people 2,000 years ago, and he, he, he gave this for you and me today for a reason... Is there a lack of joy in your life where there once was a happy spot? If there is, he says, that is a sign of a spiritual problem. Here's the second thing. Is our service and our generosity begin to dry up. Our service and our generosity begin to dry up. In chapter 4 verse 14 and 15, even though my illness was a trial to you, you didn't treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God and as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. This is one of the reasons a lot of scholars believe that Paul's thorn in the flesh was an eye problem. Right here, He talks about being with these people in Galatia. He talks about having a serious eye problem. And he talks about that, that their love for him and their, their service for Jesus Christ and their, their generosity was such that he said, figuratively, if you could have torn out your own eyes and given them to me to relieve my problem, to help my eyesight, you would have done that. But he says, that's gone now. One of the signs that you and Jesus aren't where you and Jesus once were is that your service begins to wane. You're too busy. By the way, most of us are too busy. And when you're too busy for the God things, the family things, you need to trim some stuff down. But we're too busy, we get tired, we get irritated, and we just stop serving. One of the signs of spiritual immaturity is seen here too, but we're not dealing with that tonight. We're dealing more with we just get away from Christ. Years ago, I was visiting a pastor friend of mine, and we both had churches that ran about 30 on Sunday morning. And if you have a church that runs 30 on Sunday morning, every detail of that church falls immediately and directly back to the pastor. I was visiting with him on a Saturday afternoon. The grass was knee-high outside in the middle of the summer. I said, you going to cut your grass there, Slick? And um, he said, well, i got to find a lawnmower to do it. He said, we had a man who used to do it. He did it for several years. He got mad at some of the decisions we made in the church. He doesn't cut the grass anymore. I was 24 then, and I thought, you know, that's immature. That's spiritually, there's a problem with that. When I pull back in my service to Jesus Christ and his bride, that's a sign of a spiritual problem. And certainly that goes along with this would be generosity. He said, not only would you serve me, you would have torn out your very eyes and you would have given me your very eyes if you could have. What's wrong with you now, Galatians? You don't even act like you like me. And that happens so often. We, we tithe, we give, we're generous. We get mad, we get irritated, we get busy, we get overextended. And so we punish God by punishing the church, don't we? Are we, we rationalize by saying I, the church has too much and I have too little? Whatever reason it is, don't we pull back in our generosity? There's a reason this is in the Bible. And I tell you the reason is this is exactly what happens when we pull away from Christ. Our service and our generosity begin to to lessen. I want to ask you a hard question. Is that you this evening or me? A third thing, and certainly these all go together, and that's a lack of obedience. A lack of obedience. In chapter 5, verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? Paul speaks a lot of times in athletic terms because in the Greek world he lived, athletic contests were just like they are today. They're a major part of the life. and It's a picture of a runner, and, and oftentimes the Christian life is, is pictured as a walk or as a a run for, for Christ, running with Jesus, walking with Christ. And it's a picture of someone cutting in front of you and, and causing your walk or your run to falter. We're going to see that in a second, but the main thing about that is that This person, these people were running and walking properly and they're not anymore. How's your obedience tonight? Certainly, certainly your your generosity and your service would be part of that. Maybe there's something particular that God's got his finger on you right now that you need to obey him and you're not. You know, until you obey him on that... His hand and His power will be off your life. How many of you have experienced that before? Maybe it's not anything specific. It's just general. It's just that you're not obeying Christ like you once were. I want to share with you an article. This came out in 2009. It was about airplane pilots. And there apparently had been a rash of of single-engine planes crashing in North America. When there was a comprehensive study of 44 of the accidents involving Cirrus aircraft, a few lessons stood out. And these lessons are very good not only for pilots but for us. First of all, all but one of the 44 accidents was a pilot-related cause. These are fatal accidents. Second, and most surprisingly, experienced pilots were responsible for a majority of these accidents. Does that shock you a little bit? Experienced pilots. A few of the pilots were co- uh, accidents were caused by pilots with less than 150 hours of flight time, but 75% of the fatal accidents were caused by pilots with over 400 hours of flight. Apparently, these pilots assumed because they had already had a lot of hours under their belt, they could cut corners and get sloppy. By contrast, the younger, newer pilots with fewer hours were extremely careful, painstaking in their pre-flight routines, meticulously expecting every rivet of the plane. They did it by the book, but the more experienced pilots had the philosophy, I've been there, I've done that, and they jumped in the plane and jumped to theirs and other people's deaths. Boy, does that not happen with us as Christians. Been there, done that. Heard it before. We outgrow our prayer time or our Bible study time. Obviously, a lot of people outgrow church at some point. And you don't outgrow those things. I'm saying they they think they do. And there's a real danger for many of us who've been around Christ a long time that there's a familiarity, if we're not careful, that causes us to get careless with the things of God. And a sign that you and I are headed to trouble is when our obedience begins to wane in our lives. Is there a lack of obedience in your life? He asked those Galatians that 2,000 years ago, and he was right on target with them. Number four, has our spiritual hearing grown weak? And I don't know, maybe this is the foundation for the rest of them. But he asked them in verse 16 of chapter 4, Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? These people were not where they once had been with Jesus Christ. And one thing Paul is recognizing is they don't want to hear what he has to say. Ultimately, what Paul is saying to them, God's speaking through him... (laughs) a whole lot of the time, especially right here, and he's saying, look, you don't want to hear the truth anymore. You used to want to hear it. You don't. J. Vernon McGee was an old preacher and a commentator, and he, uh, he said he, he wanted to put on the front of his pulpit, I am not your enemy because I tell you the truth. <laughs> if you've ever spoken to people much, you know, sometimes you can feel like you are. See, what had happened, and we'll see more in just a second, is is that many of these Jewish Christians were more interested in hearing about their Jewish religion and going back into that and their traditions than they were about hearing the Word of God. I don't think many of you are struggling with going back to your Jewish roots. You know, I know it's hard to hear God when it doesn't fit my agenda. I know it's hard to hit, hear God when it doesn't fit our lifestyle. Amen. I know it's easy to become unteachable and hardened. And God says when that begins to happen, that's a spiritual warning sign. There was a lady who's trying to teach her little five-year-old obedience and the kid was arguing with her so she sent her to her room and about 10 minutes later she went in and the girl was crying and she was broken at that point. She said, Mama, why do we do bad things? Shall we do bad things? Well, for a lot of reasons. Number one, the devil's trying to talk to you and get you to do stuff and Jesus is trying to talk to you and you need to listen to Jesus and the little girl said, Mama, Jesus just doesn't talk loud enough. Oh, friend, he does. We just don't want to hear what he has to say sometimes. I marvel, as you marvel, at how we can be real religious and not hear Jesus anymore. A warning sign, number four, is when our spiritual hearing grows weak. Now, now let's look at number five. What what causes these problems? Where, Where do these things come from? what causes you and me to move away from Christ and not obey him to lose our joy to lo- lose our generosity in our service for our ears to become dull i want to give you two things this evening number 1 we just get slack with christ we've just gotten slack with jesus that they were obviously slack in their they're hearing god they're obeying god and this is so easy to happen. Trace with me back tonight real quick. When, did, when was the point when your joy began to wane? If this is you tonight. When's the point when your obedience began to suffer? Jill Briscoe is a Christian uh, author, speaker. She tells a story one night after church, a, a young lady came to her. And she said, "Miss Briscoe, I've lost my peace and I've lost my joy. I know I'm a Christian, but I've lost them and I want them back. And Jill said to her, when did you lose them? She said, I don't want to talk about that. I just want them back. How do I get my joy and my peace back? And Jill said, when did you lose your joy and your peace? She said, that's not the point. I just want them back. Jill kept pressing her, man, tell me. What point in your life did you lose your joy and your peace? And the woman broke down she started crying and she said, when I moved in and started having sex with my boyfriend, that's when I lost my joy and my peace. Duh. You see, if we look hard enough, we can identify when these things happen in our life or when they do in the future or when they did in the past. What happened what did we do ultimately that moved us away from Christ? But here's the second thing that's scary here. Other people can influence us wrongly. That's what was happening strongly to these Galatians. Verse 17 of chapter 4. For the, those people, they're zealous to win you over, but for no good. What what they want is to alienate you from us so they may be, you may be zealous for them. The Judaizers, we've talked about them almost every time we've talked about Galatians, especially on Sunday night. Many of them may have been Christians. Some of them weren't Christians. But they were people that were trying to mix Judaism and Christianity. And what they were saying was, is to become a Christian, it was by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, plus becoming a Jewish person. If you're a man, you needed to be circumcised. You needed to celebrate all the holidays. You needed to be a Jewish person. It was faith in Christ plus Judaism made you a Christian. Faith in Christ plus legalism made you a Christian. And that's just wrong. Aren't you glad it's wrong? And Paul says they're zealous to win you over. Folks, I... I heard a guy say this, and this is so true. Don't let zealousness confuse you with the truth. Because someone screams and shouts and is passionate does not mean they are telling the truth. Someone said this. You have to have two scales, a truth scale and a passion scale. And sometimes those two will never meet. Obviously, as a Christian, you want a preacher, you want a speaker who preaches and speaks with passion, but passion and truth are not the same thing. Amen? And because somebody can smooth talk and fast talk, that doesn't mean they're telling the truth. Remember the theme behind Nazism, Joseph Goebbels was, if you tell a lie long enough and loud enough, the people will believe it or we will take you to the concentration camp if you don't. That's pretty effective too, isn't it? Would you believe this or would you rather go and die in a gas chamber? Can you imagine they operate their country that way? If you tell a, truth, a lie long enough and loud enough, people will buy into it. Because someone is zealous, passion and truth are measured on two different scales. They don't have to be separate, but a lot of times they are. Just because someone is zealous doesn't mean they're telling you the truth. You see where this passage ties into chapter 5 verse 7 through 10 it says you were running a good race who he goes back to these people it's like Paul doesn't know who the person was but he knows someone was zealous for them who's cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you a little yeast yeast and leaven in the the Bible to the Jewish people always represented evil a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident that the Lord, in the Lord, that you will take no other view. The one who has thrown you into confusion will pay the penalty, whatever and whoever they may be. What he's telling them is he's saying, "Listen, guys, you're listening to the wrong voices. Someone's got in them. They're stirring up the pot. They're stirring up the waters. They're making waves, and they're influencing you properly." Let me, if you're taking notes, write this down. Anybody you're listening to that that causes you to love Jesus less, turn the station. Anybody that's influencing you that's causing you to love people less, turn the station. Anyone that's causing you to be more negative and critical, turn the station. Anyone that causes you to love the, the Church of Jesus Christ less, turn the station. You see, anybody who's causing you to grow in the wrong directions, run from them. They cause you to doubt the Word of God. Turn the station. It doesn't matter how slick and smooth and passionate they are. The truth is the truth is the truth. And there's certain key things, that love of God and love of people, that cause you to be less pure and holy. Turn the station. You see, that wrong people had gotten to the ears of these folks, and they were causing them to turn away from their simple love of Jesus Christ. And it was so clear in so many ways joy, service, obedience. So, what do we do this evening? It's real simple. We just come back to Jesus. Matthew, excuse me, in, in chapter 5, verse 7. You were running a good race who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth. You look tonight, and maybe you can say, You know, I've got some wrong voices in my ear. Maybe it's friends, maybe it's some radio preacher, maybe it's some book I've been reading. Turn the station. But you've got to make a choice. You're going to get your joy back. Your obedience back. You've got to make a choice, not complicated, but not necessarily easy, with all your heart to come back to Christ. That's what I want to challenge you to do this evening. When we stand in just a moment, if you're a Christian, where you're standing or leave your seat and come to the altar and say, Jesus, I'm not where I once was, but I want to be there again, and I'm coming back to you tonight. You want to join the church? Come and do that this evening when we stand. And if you're here this evening and you're not a Christ follower, when we stand in a moment, you come. We'll be down here waiting on you, and we'll help you find Christ. But remember, you're the one who's got to make the move to him. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.